Nehemiah. Nehemiah. That's in the Old Testament, kind of in the middle of the Old Testament. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. We're kind of looking at some classic stories, or we have been over the last few weeks. And this story may not be quite as well known as maybe Moses parting the Red Sea or Noah in the Ark or some of the other stories that may first come to our mind. But I think that this is a good story to kind of transition us from where we have been to where we are going. In Nehemiah chapter 4, while everybody's turning there, we've kind of, kind of taken a little journey through some different phases of Israel's past as we've looked over the last few weeks. Now on Wednesday nights we've been going through the book of Exodus and that covers uh, Israel's journey out of Egypt as they're on their way to the promised land. A few months back we went through the book of Joshua where the Israelites go in and take over the promised land. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago we talked about Samson. Uh, he was a judge during that time as the Israelites were in the promised land and after the time of the judges uh, was the time of the kings and we've talked about uh, David at fighting Goliath who would eventually uh, become king of the Israelites and then uh, we moved a little further uh, in the last couple of weeks we've talked about uh, Israel or Judah I should say being in exile the Babylonians had come in so after the time of the kings um, Israel was disobedient and eventually enemies came in and over over overtook God's people and so we saw that in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they were in a foreign land. They were held captive for 70 years, the people of Judah were. And then we looked last week at the story of Daniel in the lion's den, another good example of somebody who was taking a stand uh, for the Lord. And now after the time of captivity, and this is where we're going to be at today in the book of Nehemiah. Now Nehemiah, where it's placed in the Bible, the Bible's not in chronological order, so these events that we're reading, even though... Uh, in the Bible, sometimes things are come before other things we've talked about. These events that we're reading about today in Nehemiah took place after the events of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. Now, God was going to return His people. He was going to restore His people to their land. And that's what we see in the books of Nehemiah and Ezra. Now those books are right next to each other in your Bible. And it's good if you can read both of them if you want to read kind of what was going on. Uh, and Ezra was a priest at the time and he was uh, helping to get the temple rebuilt. That went on in the book of Ezra. And then Nehemiah came in and was working on rebuilding the walls around the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem was in ruins. It had been completely destroyed. And uh, this was a, a sad thing for Nehemiah. We see at the beginning of the book of Nehemiah, if you go back and read, you can see that he was saddened when he heard the news about the people who were left in Jerusalem, that the walls had been torn down, that the gates had been burned up, and it really burdened Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was a cupbearer or a servant of the king at the time, and he asked the king, he said, Look, king, I want to go and help my people. I want to go back to my city. I want to go back and be there to help them during this difficult time. And the king said, okay, you can go. He gave him a leave of absence. So here Nehemiah goes, and he goes back to Jerusalem with the intention of doing what God had laid on his heart, and that was to rebuild the walls. Now, God had had, had his people in captivity for a while. They had gone through this difficult time for a while, and God allows us to go through difficult times for a while. 
But God's ultimate desire is for us to come back to Him, for us to see the need for Him, for us to say, look, we've messed up in our decisions and our disobedience and our sin have gotten us in a bad place. Now, Nehemiah realized that. Nehemiah, and there were others who were faithful, who wanted to come back to God, who wanted Jerusalem to be rebuilt, who wanted to get back to saying, okay, God, we're going to do what you called us to do. We even see that at the end of Nehemiah. They say, look, God, they, uh, Ezra read the law to him. He read uh, what God had told to him, and they said, okay, God, we're going to do it. We're committing to you now, dear Lord. We've learned our lesson. And that's exactly what God desired for their life and also what God desires for our life. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1 we'll pray and then we will jump in. Father God we come to you this morning I thank you for these words and I pray that you help us to learn from your people then. I pray that you help us to learn from their experience. God help us to learn from our own experiences dear Lord. Help us to see through this this story that you can take what is broken dear Lord God you can take what appears to be ruined and what appears that there's no hope for, God, and you can restore it, you can rebuild it, you can make it better, and you can make it new. And I pray that we see that through your word, dear Lord, not just in this story, but in everything. And God, I pray that Jesus Christ will be glorified in this place today. I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through me. Give me the words to speak so that I can preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you and that's going to touch the, the hearts of each one here today. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria and said, What are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from mounds of rubble? Then Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside him, said, Indeed, even if a fox climbed up what they are building, he would break down their stone wall. Listen, our God, for we are despised. Make their insults return on their own heads, and let them be taken as plunder to a land of captivity." Do not cover their guilt or let their sin be erased from your sight because they have provoked the builders. So we built the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a will to keep working. Now here after Nehemiah has gone back into the land, we see in these first few verses that they are facing some opposition from some people who are there. These people who are there see the ruins that Jerusalem is currently in. And they see the task that Nehemiah is about to try to take on. That he is getting people together so that they can begin this daunting task of rebuilding this wall around Jerusalem. Now I don't know uh, lengthwise how long that wall would have been around all of Jerusalem. I should have looked that up. But I would imagine that it was large. I don't think that it would be like simply maybe building a wall around this church. It would be much bigger than that. It would be a tall wall. It would be a wall that when you looked at it, you would think, wow, that would take a long time to build. It was a big task that was before Nehemiah and the people of Judah that had returned. And there, the, the other people there, they didn't want them moving back to Jerusalem. They didn't want them constructing the wall. They didn't want them to get back on track. And they saw this task that was taking place, and they began to mock them. 
What do they think they're doing? They can't rebuild this wall. They don't have the power to do that. Are they going to do what are, are they going to get things just like they were? How are they going to get things back like they were going? They can't build this wall. And then another one chimed in. Yeah, their wall is so weak. Even if a fox were to run across the top of the wall, it would cave in. And their situation by the by the uh, opinion of the others around was it was hopeless. There was no way possible that on their own they were going to be able to rebuild this wall to get Jerusalem back up and going where they could inhabit the land, where they could go back to the temple, where they could worship the Lord. At least that's what the outsiders thought. There's no way this could happen. But Nehemiah knew otherwise. He knew that God could, could, could give them the ability, the strength, could watch over them, and could help them to rebuild the wall, could help them to come back to their city. He knew that God was going to be with them in the process, even though everything looked like it was completely ruined. Now, this is a good lesson for us to learn as we look at this story, I believe, because there may be some of us that are looking at our lives and we're seeing, boy, this is a bad situation that I'm in. I have ruined my life because of this sin or because of that sin, whatever it may be. Now, we may not have the voices of people coming to us telling us that we're hopeless and helpless, although we may. We may have people in our life that tell you that. There may be people that come to you and tell you you're too far gone, that you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything, that you've blown your life, that you are nothing. Sadly, there are people in this world that give people just that kind of advice. But even if we don't have people coming up to us in the flesh telling us that, we do have the enemy. And I believe the enemy is good at that. He's good at causing us to look at our lives and look at our situations when we may have sinned and we may have sinned greatly. We may have done things that have affected us and affected our relationship with God and affected our relationship with others. And we may not have people in the flesh coming to us, but boy, that old devil, he likes to put those thoughts in our mind, I believe. I believe he likes to make us think that we are worthless that we are hopeless, that we are helpless, that in our mind sometimes he says, look at your life. Look at what you've done. You've ruined it. Look at the people you've hurt. Look at the things you've said. Look at how you've treated God. You've gone to church your whole life and you treated God this way. You knew God's word and you treated God this way. God doesn't care about you. God could never love you. God could never restore you. But you know what? That's a lie. That's a lie of the devil. Just as the, uh, the people of Judah and Nehemiah heard these people coming against them saying, there's no way you can rebuild this. There's no way this can be rebuilt. There's no way these burnt stones, these ruins can be placed on top of each other and even amount to anything. Even if they get them back together, they're not going to stand. And sometimes we face that same opposition in our life, but I can tell you the same God that was with Nehemiah that helped him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, that helped them to come back to their land, that helped them to be restored is the same God that we pray to. And I'm here to tell you today that He still forgives sins. I'm here to tell you that when Jesus Christ died on a cross, He died so that you could be forgiven. He knew how bad of a sinner you and I were going to be, but He died because He loved you. And let me tell you, He can restore you. Don't allow the enemy to convince you that you are in ruin and beyond repair. Jesus Christ can repair you. He can fix you. He can take what is old and He can make it fresh and new. But we've got to work at it a little bit. It requires a little something on our part. 
Now, are you saying, well, well, we can work our way to salvation? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we have, to make the, we have to make the first step to come to the Lord and say, God, my life is in ruin because I have given in to sin and I have allowed sin to be my master. But God, I am submitting to you for you to be my master. I want to serve you, God, and not serve sin. It requires some repentance on our part. That's what the Bible says. And you know, if you read back in Nehemiah, you know what Nehemiah said at the beginning of, uh, of Nehemiah? He said, look, God, you got to forgive us of our sins. If you want to flip back there, you can. Nehemiah chapter 1. We'll read what Nehemiah said here. Nehemiah knew where he needed to start. He knew that his people had sinned. He knew that they had been disobedient to God. He knew that it was because of the, situ the, the, the choices that they made that they were in the situation that they were in. He didn't simply run to Jerusalem and begin to build a wall. When he heard the news and his heart was broken over the ruins of Jerusalem and the suffering that was going on there, he started where we all need to start. When we realize that there's ruin and suffering going on in our life, he started by going back to the Lord and praying to God. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 6. Let your eyes be opened and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night. For your servants, the Israelites, I confess the sins we have committed against you. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Now Nehemiah got it. He knew why they were in the shape they were in. He knew that God just wasn't putting them in captivity and caused these things to happen because God just wanted to have fun with them. No, God desired to bless them in the land, to be with them, to take care of them, to provide for them. They chose to abandon God. They chose to worship false gods. They chose to say, look, God, we know what you told us to do, but we think we've got a better way. Now, we need to listen to that because sometimes we may be guilty of the very same thing. Now, we might not admit it or we may not even realize it, but sometimes we may go against God's way and God's will because we are so proud to think that we have a better way. And after all, I can do this or I can do that. What's it going to hurt? Well, it hurt the people of God greatly. It hurt the Israelites, the people of Judah, greatly. Now, see, they, they didn't listen to what God said. He had given them instruction because he knew it would be for their good. He knew it would keep them safe. He knew that would keep them in good relationship with him. But they chose not to listen to him. And Nehemiah got it. He knew why they were in the shape they were in. He knew that the only people to blame for their situation were themselves. And he started by praying to the Lord. He said, look, God, hear me. Look down upon me, dear Lord. Open your ears. Hear my prayer as I pray to you day and night. Listen to what I'm saying, dear Lord. Please forgive us of our sins that we have committed. Forgive me and forgive my ancestors, those who have come before us. God, forgive us for what we have done. Now, if you're living in ruin and you're living in sin and you're living in suffering, guess what? God wants to restore you. God wants to forgive you. But it starts with you coming to the Lord saying, Look, God, I humble myself before you. Look, God, I've sinned before you. I know what I've done. It didn't just say that Nehemiah threw up one prayer. He didn't just say, Okay, God, we sinned a lot. I'm sorry, now let me go build a wall. No, he said he prayed day and night, day and night. He was serious about praying to the Lord about his sin. And we need to be serious praying to the Lord about our sin. You know, sometimes we don't take our sins serious enough. 
Now, God takes sin very serious. Sometimes we, on the other hand, we don't. But Nehemiah did. He got it. He said, God, I pray to you day and night, forgive me, forgive us. We repent. We are coming back to you. God, bless us. Be with us. Give us what you promised us. Take care of us. Let us be in good relationship with you. That was the desire of God's people. They wanted to be back in relationship with him. They wanted to be back in their city. They wanted to be back in their temple where they could praise the Lord and they could give sacrifice to the Lord. They were in ruin and the reason, uh, the way that they started to get out of this ruin was they repented of their sin and that's what you and I need to do too. Now you may be living in ruin today and saying God's not helping me. Well, have you called out to Him? Have you prayed to Him? I'm talking about earnestly got down on your knees. I'm talking about pray to the, to the Lord. I'm, I'm not talking about just say, okay, God, I've, I've done really bad things. Uh, forgive me and help me go on my way. But I'm talking about really seeking the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with your tears, with everything that is within you saying, God, I am a wretched sinner, but I humble myself before you, a righteous king. Have we done that? And when we do that, when we humble ourselves before God and repent of our <coughs> sin, God hears those prayers. And boy, good news, He is faithful to rebuild and to restore us just as He did His people in these verses we see today. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. This is one of, my, one of my favorite verses. And I remember the first time that this verse really stuck out to me. It was just a couple of years ago. We were going through Nehemiah in Sunday school. And for whatever reason, this verse just caught my mind. And it has stuck in my mind every since. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. This is Nehemiah speaking here. He says, So we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a will to keep working. Some translations say a mind to keep working or a will to keep working. The people had a will. They had a desire to keep working. They were ready to come back to the Lord. They were ready to get out of captivity. They were ready to turn from their false gods. They were ready to turn from their sinfulness. They were ready to stand up against opposition. They were ready to stand for the Lord. They had a will to keep working. They wanted to be in a relationship with God and they said, we will work at it. We will do what we have to do. They had a mind of work. They had the will to work. They had a desire to be back with the Lord and they were ready to work at it. And we have to work at it. Our relationship with God requires a little work. Just as any relationship with any person requires a little work. You can't have a good relationship with your husband and wife if you go out and cheat on them, if you never talk to them, if you never acknowledge them, if you never show them any love, if you never treat them with respect, if you never give a little something to them. Guess what's going to happen in that marriage? It's not going to work. That's a relationship that's not going to work. The same could be said of a friendship, a relationship you have with a close friend. If you don't ever talk to them, if you don't ever, if you don't ever acknowledge them, if you treat them uh, dis uh, without respect, if you do all of these things, and you're not going to have a good relationship with them. These are the kind of things that sometimes we do with God. We sin against God. We don't ever acknowledge God. We don't thank God for anything He's done. We don't give back of all that God has blessed us with. That's all He is anyway, but we don't ever give anything back to Him sometimes. Now, you may not be guilty of these things, but you may. If you're not guilty of them, then you need to be on guard because the devil wants you to be guilty of them. He'll always be coming, trying to get you off track. 
Guess what? This was a pattern of the Israelites. They would do good for a while, and they would do bad for a while, and they would do good for a while, and they would do bad for a while. And we've got to be on guard because we're no different. We do good when God brings us in circumstances of ruin, so to speak, where we're just in really hard times. Oftentimes, we are much like the Israelites. We really seek the Lord. And that's what we should do, praise God, because He wants to restore us. And when we are restored, that's when we have to be on guard. Because the enemy doesn't sleep. He's always on the prowl. He's always looking to destroy us. He's always looking to tear us down. Because if he can tear us down, he can hold that over us. He can hold our guilt over us. He can hold our shame over us. He can say, look at what you've done. You are a failure. But that's not what God says. Does God want us to sin? Absolutely not. But where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. You might be a failure, you might be broken, but I got good news for you. Jesus Christ came to heal the broken. But do we have the will to do God's work? Do we have the desire to seek the Lord? Do we have the, the repentance in our heart to come to Him and seek Him with all we have and say, God, I'm not living like I should for You. My relationship's not good for You because I've never come to You, dear Lord, because my sin has come between You and I. Now, there may be some of you in this room today and you've never been restored. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, I'm here to tell you today, you may be in ruin. You may be broken. But the only way that you can be fixed, the only way that you can be made new is by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And when we come to Him, just as God was faithful to His people then, just as God was with them as they rebuilt as He was restoring them, as He was bringing them back to Him where He could be in relationship with them and they could worship Him and He could be their God and they could be His people as God was doing that with them, so God will do that for us if we come to Him, if we seek Him. And we must be on guard. When we come to Him and God blesses us and we feel that joy, we feel rebuilt, we feel renewed, praise the Lord. And stay on guard. You say, why do you say that? You've already said that a couple times. Well, I'm telling you why I say it. Read the rest of Nehemiah. The people were on fire for the Lord. Read Ezra. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. Here they are. They've got their temple rebuilt in Ezra. They're, they've got their wall that's going to be rebuilt in Nehemiah. God is going to protect them. He's going to allow them to come back in to their city and be protected and have a place to worship. They are going to gather around. They are going to listen to Ezra preach the word of God to them, to read the law to them, and they are going to say, God, we are going to serve you. We are not going to give up on you. We are going to stand by you, God, and praise you and serve you and by the end of the book of nehemiah guess what they going right back down again nehemiah has to leave for a little while and he catches word things are bad in jerusalem and that's why we must be on guard you see god wants to restore us ultimately for all eternity now in the case of the people of judah we know that things didn't magically get better we know that all of a sudden that the people didn't just begin to worship uh, the Lord and never turn their back on Him again. We know that through the story of Jesus Christ because when Jesus comes along, guess what? Are God's people worshiping Him and looking for the Messiah and doing what His Word says? Some of them, but not all of them. 
There were plenty of them in Jesus' day. So we know that it didn't take. We know that it didn't stick. We know that having a temple and rebuilt walls was not all that it takes to have a lasting relationship with God. And that's why God sent Jesus Christ. God had already given them a temple. He had already given them a city. They had been taken into captivity. It was destroyed. He gave them the city again. He gave them a temple again. But the people would not seek Him. There had to be a better way. There had to be an ultimate restoration. A restoration that could never be broken down and, and destroyed again. A restoration that when we were being made new, we would stay new for all of eternity. And that restoration comes through Jesus Christ. And when we come to Jesus Christ, we are restored and we are made new. And when the perfect comes, when we go home to be with the Lord, we will never be ruined. We will never be destroyed. We will never be broken down because Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the better way. Jesus is the perfect way. My question to you is, have you put your faith and trust in Him today? Maybe you have, and you're like the prodigal son, and you've wandered away, and your life is in ruin. I'm telling you that God the Father is there for you, waiting for you to come home, but you have to go back to Him, just as Nehemiah and the people called out to Him in repentance and went back and said, we are going to do your work. We, we have the will and the mind and the desire, God, to do your work. When we do that and we come back to the Father, He accepts us. There may be some of you today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Your life's in ruin. Your life's been destroyed. You don't think there's any hope. You don't think there's any help. You don't think there's any light at the end of the tunnel. But I've got good news for you. Jesus Christ is the light. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. If you hadn't made, your, uh, made, made Jesus your Lord and Savior today and accepted Him, then may the Holy Spirit convict you today and let you know that the hope and the help you need is in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these good words. God, I pray that you help us to learn from your people, dear Lord. We see their ups and downs and we get it because we're that way, dear Lord. In our spiritual lives, we may have ups and downs, God. We want to do right by you. We, we, we do, dear Lord. Those who are yours, I hope we do, God. But God, we just don't always do it. We don't always live up to it. Sometimes we fail, dear Lord, and sometimes we are broken. And God, you allow us to do it sometimes. You allow us to get in this shape. Dear Lord, you allowed your people to be brought into captivity years ago. And sometimes, God, you allow us to, to be put in situations where we just don't see any hope in anything around us. And the only way we can look in those situations, dear Lord, is up to you. You're the only place we can find hope. And I pray, God, that if there are some in here today, they're yours, and they've, they've, they've wandered off from you, dear Lord, that you would help them to come to you in repentance, that you would begin to rebuild their life, dear Lord, that they would, they would have a will and desire to, to, to do your work and to draw close to you and to not give up no matter what opposition they face. Don't let them believe the lie of the devil that they are worthless, God. They are worth so much that you sent Jesus to die for them. God, I pray that if there's one in this room that just they don't know Jesus. Maybe they've heard the word of Jesus. Maybe they've heard the name of Jesus. Maybe they've sit in these pews for years. But God, they've never submitted their life to Him. They've never made Jesus the King of their life. I pray, God, 
that in this moment today, that the Holy Spirit would convict their heart, that they would submit their self to Jesus Christ, that they would make him Lord of their life, that they would repent of their sins, and that they would follow through in baptism, dear Lord, and that they would tell the world that he is their Savior, that they would live a life that's going to be an example to the rest of the world of who Jesus is and the love that he has. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.